Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show, Thank You For Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in NYC. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. Uh, we, ha- we still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising... We talk about them. And I'm very excited about our guest that we have here today, Alex Kunis, she, her pronouns. Hi, Alex. Hi. How are you? Hi. L- thank you for coming out, listeners. I'm very good. It's, <laughs> a, it's a sunny day outside, even though it's freezing as... Uh, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's freezing as fuck outside. Yeah. Um, but I'm really good despite that. Good. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. it was chilly and my nose was running and it was very lovely yeah I feel like my hair like froze like (laughs) dried or like freeze dried or something out there yeah that's how you know when it's like real cold yeah seriously you know it's it's too cold Mm -hmm. it should not be this cold yeah I agree but also it shouldn't have been like as warm as it has been no I'm for that I like that that's the the, warmth yeah the warmth I'm much prefer warm that's like my number one problem I'm from the northeast Mm -hmm. but that's my number one complaint about Northeastern life is the cold. And I'm always leaving to try to escape the cold, but then I come back because I miss New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I think about, I mean, like, I like the warm weather, but it's also like the world is ending and climate change. And all right. right. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. you got to embrace the climate change at some point. It's happening. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Wait, yeah. I'm sorry. I take that back. <laughs> you don't have to edit it out. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you can have whatever opinion makes sense for you. Um, all Look, right. The, the end is not, you guys. Let's just, let's just accept it. Let's just party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So we all have multiple coming out stories. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's I so would, true. We really do, actually. I was yeah. thinking about that. That's really funny that you say that because I was thinking on the way over here. What's my coming out story? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, in some in so many ways, I feel like I've come out like yeah many times in my life. I'm still coming out. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, like uh, I came out as a lesbian when I was very young. I was actually um, I was in first grade when teachers first started intercepting love notes that I was writing to other little girls. Oh my gosh. Um, and that identity was always really important to me throughout the years, lesbian, but. Um, I kind of feel like now I'm at this point in my life where I'm kind of re-coming out to the people in my life and myself as queer. You know, I feel like I've discovered, like, a lot of other aspects of my sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, So in so many ways, yeah, we kind of come out to ourselves and the people around us, like, multiple times in a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have so many questions about first grade Alex. (laughs) Um, Like, was there – I know, because I know for me, like, I definitely – if I – was bold enough, I would have written love letters to my classmates. Yeah. Um, but I knew instinctively that it was wrong or there was something that was not okay with me feeling that way. So mm-hmm. I locked it in. Yeah. So I'm curious for you, like, was it just like not under, like, I'm just, tell me more about that. Mm. I feel like I was just, yeah, for me, bev- I, I feel like I came to understand, like, people came to teach me that this was wrong, that mm. these things I was feeling were wrong. But at first, I was just like, 
hey, Sandy, you're beautiful. <laughs> you want to play house and I'll be your husband? <laughs> and um, I don't think I understood that that was wrong. Mm. Um, and it was fu- I, the first time a school administrator called me a pervert, I was in first grade. You know, because uh, they thought there was something wrong with me. They were mm-hmm. like, why is this kid so hypersexual? Um, and all I did was just be like, I love I love these little girls. Um, but so I think in a lot of ways, like me and my family, I, I had, I feel lucky in a lot of ways because I feel like I had a lot of time to contend with like, this is what's happening here. You know, like it was always very clear to me and the people around me. So in some ways I was, I was fortunate in that way. Mm-hmm. What kind of school were you in? Um, at that point, I was in a school in, like, conservative middle Connecticut. Mm-hmm. My family moved around a lot. Uh, we lived in, like, I was born here. I was born in Brooklyn. And then we lived in New Jersey for a little bit. We lived upstate for a little bit. And we lived in different parts of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm, like, half New York, half Connecticut. Okay. How does, what does that look like? Half what is this, the, it looks like this? <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're looking at it. What would you say are the main like components of a half New Yorker, half Connecticuter? Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I could put it into words. I don't. I don't know if there's words for it. Okay. I feel like I'm very like contained in some ways, like a like a New Englander. Like mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes I find myself like very like contained in a way, like in a world that's like very expressive. I'm very like I keep a lot in um, and I think that's the New England in me and then I think the Brooklyn in me is like very um, hard working and ambitious and maybe a little dry mm-hmm. okay well I think you put it into words great thank you Good thanks job. yeah I, I searched my soul for those <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, now I want to revisit um, you said re-coming out as queer and mm-hmm. so I'm curious if there what what kind of interactions or what what has happened in your life that you've kind of you're like renegotiating your label like your words Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what drove you from really strongly identifying with the word lesbian to now queer um you know I I'm involved I have three I'm involved in three poly partnerships right now um and I really really like all three of them three Mm -hmm. people who I really really care about and really like um, and one of them is a man, is a trans man. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of the first man I've ever dated kind of in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm into it. And I feel like the whole experience has, yeah, has just like really changed like how I see my sexuality. You know, in some ways I kind of never really feel like I got a chance to experiment with my sexuality because I was just that little lesbian kid from the time I was an infant. You know, mm-hmm. from the time I was born. Yeah. I came out of the womb and I was like, hey, nurse lady. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Hold me a little closer, you know. Um, and so <laughs> I never got that chance, I feel like, to see, to explore the other crevices of my sexuality, if you will. I will. Um, crevices of yeah. my sexuality. <laughs> I feel like that's an, uh, like the name of an album or something. I'm writing it down. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, and this guy, he's like a hairy, burly, like beefy guy, you know, and I, I wake up next to him and his beard is rubbing against my back. And I'm like, I like that. Um, and I feel like I've discovered like different things that I can like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think just like my understanding of gender is changing. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't all of gender kind of a construct? And yes. we're all just like, we're just reflections of what we've been like told to know about gender gender mm-hmm. and like all of us like every single one of us in some ways like including like the douche who's like 
you know, bragging to his, you know, being sexist on the subway or something, isn't, aren't we all just like cogs in the machine in some way? We all just sort of like perpetuate it for each other. Yeah. You know, and then I look at him and I, I hate him and he looks at me and he's just like, oh, I offended that feminist lady. And <laughs> totally. It's just a perpetuating cycle. Yeah. Uh, you keep saying all these like really great things. <laughs> I've like, been typing furiously. Um, okay, where do I want to go first? Um, <laughs> well, I think it's so... It's so interesting. Okay, first of all, I have a joke in my stand-up about knowing that I was gay when I was 10 months old because I was drooling over carpet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I like yours is like way even earlier than 10 months, so good job. Um, <laughs> so um, it's so interesting to me, the, the notion of like you not having a chance to explore your sexuality in like a heterosexual way. Because yeah. like when I think about queer people like most of the people that I've interviewed or when I think about the like narrative that we're all taught is like queer people are in the closet and like we date, you know, like straight people because that's what we're supposed to do. And then when we get older is when we kind of like renegotiate that. And then, but for you, it's, it, I think that um, I always, I think that my understanding that I was supposed to like be with a man, like maybe a man who could be like a beard to me, like I feel like my understanding of that was, became kind of clear, kind of young. Like I was like, okay, I should find like a boyfriend. And I also, a, a, a coming out story of mine is when I was, I was in seventh grade and this girl was coming over to sleep at my house and she was like, she was like really cool. I'll say her name. Her name was Naja. I'm sure if she hears this, she would love it. But <laughs> Naja, she was like the coolest girl. She had like an older sister who taught her about being like super cool and badass. And uh, we were waiting for my mom to pick us up for a sleepover. And she's like, everyone called me Joe back then. That was my nickname in middle school was Joe. And she goes like, Joe, you know you're a lesbian, right? <laughs> and I was like, what? I don't know what a lesbian is. I'm 12. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you're a lesbian. Like, that's what you are. And I was like, no, I, no, I'm not a lesbian. Like, whatever that is, I'm not that. Um, and we went to my parents' house, and she taught me how to break into their liquor cabinet. She taught me about making screwdrivers, and I got really drunk for the first time. And then she was like, I'm going to kiss you, and I'm going to prove to you that you're a lesbian. Wow. And she did. She kissed me. And that was my first lady kiss. And it was, like, magical. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember thinking, like, okay, well, she's just, like, really experienced because she's so cool and she's got her older sister. So I feel like I went through a phase where I kissed, like, a million boys. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanted to feel that same magic, you know, yeah. that I felt when I kissed uh, Naja. Um, but, no, all of them I thought were all horrible kissers. Mm. You know, I hated yeah. it. Um, but, yeah, and then – but I, I – and then I guess I went on to high school and I was like, I'm just going to not date anyone. Mm -hmm. Or like, I guess I'll date boys because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I never really did. I always, I met my girlfriend immediately and we dated pretty much through the rest of high school. Mm -hmm. So you were, you were out in high school? Yeah, I was out in high school. Cool. What was that like? Um, that was very scary. It's a, uh, that, that is, uh, that's a sensitive subject because so okay. the girl who I, well, not that you have to be sensitive, but just in case I start crying, uh, the girl who I came out with, I met her when I was 15. Um, and her name was Christina Pucci. She was just, uh, she was very tall. She was like six foot one or something and very strong and just, uh, an incredible, um, person. Um, and yeah, we dated all through high school and then after high school we were still friends and intermittent over the years lovers for 15 years. 
Um, and just this past year, she lost a, a very painful battle to cancer, and she unfortunately mm. passed away. Um, and uh, she had, yeah, she had cervical cancer, actually. And she always, um, set, like, in the last few months of her life, she was really interested in, once she got better, she was going to travel and teach uh, queer people, queer women, about, um, you know, going to you know, going for regular exams and, you know, and better uh, cervical health, uh, I suppose. And also people, the age for getting the shot has just recently increased. Like more of us can go get it and we all should. Um, So I I still try to carry her in my heart by by doing that. I try to, you know, we want to try raise money for Cal and Lord, you know, through Babetown and things like that. Wow. Thanks for sharing. Thank I'm you. So sorry for your loss. Yeah, it was. A, it, was a, it was a very. It's a, it's a sad story. Yeah. Um. But that was. Yeah. Her and I really came out together. Um. And she. You know. I think she was the more masculine looking, masculine presenting one of the two of us. And so she really didn't. Um. I think she. You know. She really didn't want to offend people or call any attention to herself. Like. She was really someone who just really wanted to be really get along well with everyone, and she did not want to make any waves. She was like the last person to want to make waves, um, and then there was me. Mm-hmm. Like I was really the type of person who was just like, "Oh yeah, you know." Mm-hmm. Um, and I came out uh, really impulsively in um, in a in a class of mine. Some boy like we were having a debate about a book or something in class, and he said something like, "Oh well, maybe you just hate what I have to say because I'm a man and you hate men." And I was like, are you suggesting that I don't like to fuck men because I don't? Or something like that. <laughs> nice. Uh, something That's the really, in you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that was, oh, my gosh. Well, that got me sent out of the class for a minute. But um, the, I don't think I thought through the repercussions because it really outed mm-hmm. her as well. Mm. I mean, people really started calling her as well. And uh, she really, and I think that was really when I learned a valuable lesson about how our actions affect other people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just like one of a lot of very hard life lessons uh, queer people learn in like social spaces, you know, from the time they're very young. Yeah. Wow. Um, I just looked at my note that says crevice. And then I was like, <laughs> but then I was like, did I write cervix? But no, it says crevice. Um, I'm very interested in knowing how you got the nickname Joe. Joe, um, that was a middle school in upstate New York. I was only there for like, we were only there for two years. Um, and on the first day, I was talking to this other girl whose name was Alex. I was actually in love with other Alex. Mm. I think she was my first love. Um, but someone came up and was like, Alex, and like we both looked over and they were like, How are we going to keep you two this, you know, different? It's going to be so confusing. And I was like, Oh, just call me Joe. Mm. And everyone laughed and it just like stuck. People just called me Joe for my whole time there. <laughs> um, that's incredible. Um, also, the first time I've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, also, the first time I ever got drunk was on a screwdriver. Oh, really? Mm hmm. That's that's amazing. How old were you? I was, I think I was like 15, maybe 14. Mm. 
And my sister's best friend had a house party and I brought some, and I, so this was like the summer going into my sophomore year of high school and Mm -hmm. freshman year I was in this program, I forget what it's called now, but it was like high schoolers against drinking. And I was like really like into this group. And then my sister invited me to this party with all these like older high schooler, high school kids and college kids and Mm -hmm. such. And I was like, I'm going to have a screwdriver. It can't be that bad. It's orange juice. Yeah. Orange juice and vodka. Yeah. What a natural thing for... So for something to be someone's like first thing that they get drunk on it's so like easy to attain mm-hmm. and simple to make yeah I mean it's funny because like I'm not sitting at home making cocktails these days yeah. you know <laughs> mm-hmm. but I guess like little 16 year olds aren't cracking open bottles of wine at their parties yeah we drink um we also drink like down home punch mm-hmm. Jack Daniels which was very tasty and actually really gross um and a lot of natty light Mm-hmm. And Colonial Club vodka. Yeah, we Those drink like a lot of Natty Light, Bud Light. Mm-hmm. There was this like, um, like, gas station, uh, like right on the outskirts of town when I was in high school that everyone knew didn't ID, mm-hmm. and so we would all go there. Yeah, we had a drive-through, and I remember, <laughs> oh my god, me and my friends drove through, and they we knew they weren't gonna ID us, but we like literally as soon as they put the beer in the car. I like pulled over, like still in the in on their property, mm-hmm. but like parked and we cheered. Yeah, because we were so excited, and then we laughed and we we're like, "That was so stupid." <laughs> Just dumb sixteen-year-olds. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was extremely dumb when I was sixteen. We were all dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still dumb sometimes. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> extremely stupid. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's like you know we can learn and learn and learn and still be so. I dumb. know, I know. Sometimes I'm just like, Alex, you are stupid. <laughs> People complain to me about stuff, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm not that smart. You know, look to someone else. <laughs> but they're coming to you for a reason. I, <laughs> all I am truly good at doing is getting people drunk and laid. That's what a skill. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound stupid to me at all. Thank you. Um, okay. I absolutely I want to talk to you about Babetown. But before I go bring us to Babetown, I want to talk back about um, – just like you being in three different poly relationships. And I'm just like curious. I don't know that we've ever had a guest that's like really dug into what that's like. And so what I'm just like, how, like, how do you negotiate boundaries and how do you negotiate your time? Lots of, lots of communication and patience. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, yeah. So I'm dating three people, uh, ethically non-monogamous, like, um, you know, I've like two of them have like, you know, come to Babe Towns and been, you know, been in the same room at the same time. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'd say lots of communicating about boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one per one of the three is very new. One of the three is someone I, I just started seeing. But um, the other two, yeah, I feel like it's uh, it's just like communicating boundaries and everyone feeling comfortable with everything that's happening. I always tell people, I think as long as everyone in your, uh, in your life, all of your loves, um, feel, you know, know how much you care and how much you like them and how there you are for them, um, and how important they are to you in your life. Like, I think it's easy for everyone to be happy Mm -hmm. because it's, I don't think people get, uh, jealous or sad or defensive because, you know, of any reason other than just them, you know, because of other people, it's them feeling, you know, neglected or not worthy or, 
um, you know, like maybe like, am I not as good as this other person or do you not care about me as much as this other person? Mm -hmm. So I just think it's important for everyone to know, you know, I care about you all, you know, yeah, (laughs) you're all important to me in very different ways, you know? Yeah. Um, how, I feel like I'm going to be like clunky here because I've never asked anyone questions about oh, this before. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, have you always been poly or how did you re- come to realize yeah. that that was something that, w- that was right for you? Um, so you know, most of my relationships in life have been poly. Mm-hmm. I've been in a, a couple different, you know, poly open relationships. Uh, I always felt like one of the most like, I think like a moment when I really, uh, a relationship that was of real significance for me was at one point I dated a, a couple and I was in a throuple with them. And that was just, you know, I remember being like, this feels so right, you mm, know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then and then I was with a partner who was a, a bit more of a conservative person. And she was, you know, a very monogamous person. Um, and um, I think I loved her as much as I could possibly love anyone. Like, I just loved her so much. But nonetheless monog- you know monogamy still was not right for me mm-hmm. you know as much as i loved her and wanted uh, to be with her um and i think that was really when i realized that that was not you know the right situation for me mm-hmm. um and at the you know at this point i feel like from that like I, it's hard to put into words but i feel like you know i will never i could like i, I just will never agree to anything remotely monogamous again um i i i yeah, I think like nothing even close to that. You know, I want extreme poly love, and I want us all to like love each other. Yeah, I want to be with people who are extremely, you know, past like possessiveness and jealousy, and mm-hmm. um, and I I want to like cultivate a community of people that I share different forms of like sexual and emotional intimacy with, and I want them to have like fulfilling like friendships like relationships with each other and like I want us to just like grow community and like family almost like that's I think what I want out of my life is like lots of just like open and free love it's amazing thanks for letting me ask questions about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I hope I'm not being inappropriate you guys oh my gosh no (laughs) this is your life it's the most appropriate thing that you could talk about um and I really appreciate that um and like admire, I really admire the, um, just like you really like doubling down on what feels right for you and like making sure that you're following what is your authentic path. Like, I mean, that's kind of, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily the type of person that was like poised to do that. I, you know, like I said, I, I'm someone who's often kept a lot inside, but I think culturally that's kind of where we're at as a culture, right? Like you know, the self-care, mm-hmm. that term self-care, what does it really mean? I think it's, you know, it's so much more obviously than a day of treating yourself at the mall. Like self-care can be about, you know, really tending to your own personal, carving out time in a very busy day to tend to your personal mental health. Like I think it really takes time to carve out time to, you know, to exercise or to take hot baths or to do whatever it is, you know, that makes people feel really, you know, fundamentally balanced. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that we're kind of like living in an era uh, where that's really an acceptable and encouraged thing to do is to kind of really carve out time for yourself and explore yourself and get to know yourself and, you know, go to therapy if you can afford it, find uh, affordable therapy, you know, options that that's what I do. I go to the Smith Institute. Um, And I think, you know, now is really the time for us as like a society where we can really be encouraged to have that time um, to to find our truth and to live it. Mm-hmm. 
Dang. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk Babe Town because Babe Town. Yeah. So <laughs> that's easy for me. <laughs> um, just like tell us everything about it. Tell us about Babe Town. Uh, Babe Town is a pop up supper club for queer women, trans, and non binary people. Um, I was just always the type of person that threw parties, you know, starting in like high school, I used to throw big parties. Um, and I went to Smith, which was filled with big queers, and I would throw you know, parties then, you know, just like have all the queer people over and I would make a bunch of food, put out a bunch of food and a bunch of drinks. I used to make my own like wine and my own cider and stuff. Cool. I used to put that out. Um, And then after college, I started cooking. I was working in restaurants and I was still, I would like have this party and I would like things that I was cooking or experimenting with, I would put it out. Those parties would just get like packed and rowdy and food would run out and it was just, you know, a time. Um, and I started being like, you know, it'd be fun to, like, ask people to throw me some dollars, you know. And I started making, like, an Eventbrite link so that people could give me, like, some money if they were going to come to this party and I was going to put out all this food and booze. Um, and people who, I mean, it just took on a life of its own just immediately. People I didn't know immediately started buying tickets. And we started, people started signing up their homes and their spaces. Um, and it just grew. The it, social media, I, like, made it and it shot up in followers it just grew on kind of on its own Mm -hmm. and it's sort of I've had to I've kind of had to like grow to keep up with it uh you know I've taken like online business classes and finance classes and um like emotionally matured a lot as a person Babetown has really taught me what it's like to take care of something Mm -hmm. so that's sort of what Babetown is to me that's Babetown it's a house party with food there's queer people um, I love it. I haven't, I haven't been to one yet, but I really want to yeah. come to one. Yeah. You totally should come to one. Yeah. It's, I know it can be, it can be difficult to get tickets because they do, they sell out really quickly. Um, and so I try to tell people, you know, the day that the tickets are going to go on sale. So people have the chance. I, I have tickets on sale right now. Actually, we're doing a dinner theater with Trans Voices Cabaret. Amazing. Yeah. Which Donnie. I'm excited about. Donnie. Lovely. Donnie, Don, Donnie's one of my three. Oh, hi, Don, Donnie's cool. the guy. Yeah. Amazing. Hi, Donnie. <laughs> hi, Donnie. <laughs> um, well, I know the founder, so hopefully I can get a ticket. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you do. You have an in now. Yeah. Um, that's so that's so interesting that the way that you just said how Babetown has taught you kind of like what it is to take care of something else. And I've, mm-hmm. I really feel the same way about thank you for coming out. Mm-hmm. And um Really, like you said it so perfectly, like growing and learning with it as it was, as mm-hmm. thank you for coming out was growing. I had to, I had to change mm-hmm. to make sure that it got the love and the care that it needed. And mm-hmm. so I've learned so much in the last five years, yeah. um, which has just been wild. And I also feel like I've like matured as an adult. Of yes. Like, just yeah, like yeah. taking care of this baby that needs love and attention and support. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I liked it. I like how you said that. Um, I read a lot of articles about you before this. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so I have some like some d- little nuggets that I want to chat about. So, totally. um, so firstly, um, the timeline of Babetown, I think from what I read was like kind of right after the Pulse shootings is when it kind of mm-hmm. solidified itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, I created something called Craft Your Truth right after the Pulse shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, which is basically an event where we have um, professional teaching artists come and work with. um, Right now we're working with New Alternatives, which is a nonprofit that um, supports LGBTQ youth experiencing homelessness. Mm -hmm. And they just spend time with these teaching artists and craft some kind of performance piece Mm -hmm. 
and then we perform it for each other. Oh, cool. Uh, but it was like after after Pulse, it was like we need to come together as a community and support each other. And that's mm-hmm. what came out of my conversation with my friend Jeff. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Babetown came like kind of solidified after that as well. Um, yes, yeah. Well, so uh, the pride... Um, the pride around when the pulse shooting happened, I was like, the pulse shooting happened, yeah, like a day or two before my, this party I was supposed to have. No, the the day before. Mm -hmm. I mean, people were so on edge. And I remember thinking, like, should I even still have this party? Are people going to come? But in fact, you know, so many people came and they brought a whole bunch of friends and people were coming up to me the whole night. And as they were leaving and just hugging me and being like, you know, thank you so much for having this space and for us to be able to have this uh, space to come to. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, let me make it more available for people I don't know to come to these parties that I'm throwing every month. And I think that's why, you know, uh, I started, you know, listing it online. I was like, you know, if you want to throw me some dollars, anyone can come. I'll feed all, I'll feed all 50 of you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I suppose it was sort of that event that sort of brought us together and um, sort of made us a, a painful reminder of, um, you know, the volatility that can exist in our lives just from existing as queer. Yeah. So I remember, I remember it because it was a Saturday, it was a Saturday night that it happened. Mm -hmm. And I was actually having a ta-ta to my ta-ta's party. Mm -hmm. I was having top surgery later that month. And so I had like a big party on my roof to like celebrate that milestone. Yeah. That's a cute, that's a great (laughs) name for a party. Thank you. Um, And then I, I remember feeling, going to bed, feeling so held and elated that Mm -hmm. all of my friends and community came to celebrate this like amazing thing that was about to happen and waking up to texts and news stories of, of the shootings and also felt, we also had to thank you for coming out, coming up in a couple weeks. And Mm -hmm. I also was like, are people going to feel safe coming to a space where it's all queer people Mm -hmm. and had similar thoughts of you. And then it was the most sold out packed show Mm -hmm. that thank you for coming out has ever had, because Uh I think people were really craving that community in that Mm -hmm. space. Um, and something else that I read that you had said of um, always remembering your audience and why you're doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, that just really, that really stuck out to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean that. I mean, I think, um, you know, Babetown is such a labor of love in so many ways. You know, it's, uh, I put a lot of heart and a lot of work into it, um, but I love doing it so much. I mean, the, every single second that I'm in that kitchen, you know, cooking for this community and um, I, it, it's so fulfilling because I like to think uh, we, cre- we create a space that's about uh, making people feel really comfortable and really good. You know, sometimes you're at the bar and you're fighting to get your drink and, like, you're kind of, like, looking at the person next to you like, oh, no, I want to I get my drink next. Like, I order next. Or you're on the dance floor and you're like, oh, this person's bumping into me. But um, I try to make a space where everyone's just sitting around talking and their guard can be down and they're very, very, very comfortable. Um, and that, yeah, that I feel like motivates me and drives me to want to do better and do better by that that community and um, be better and build the best thing I can and be in more places. You know, lately I think a lot about how much, you know, we don't, we could definitely use even more queer programming here in New York, but we still um, have so much compared to, um people you know someone in montana mm-hmm. and that's like i feel like something i've become really passionate about is wanting to sort of build queer communities in in other places or or you know just empower people in other places to throw their own um you know queer queer events out there how are you doing that 
well, <laughs> I'm just beginning. Okay. I'm just beginning. Well, that's amazing. I, um, have you heard of One Table? Oh, yeah, the, the Shabbat. Yeah, yeah, the Shabbat thing. The Shabbat thing. Um, this we, we've done a couple of Babetown One Tables. Oh, you have? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, when you're ta- while you were talking, I had the idea of, um, not that you're asking for my opinion, but I think it's like such a good idea to empower other people in their own communities mm-hmm. to throw these kinds of like queer mm-hmm. dinner parties or queer events. And I wonder if there's like a grant or funding I that know. you can apply for to help like grant to like, gift out kind of like how One Table does. Well, my fantasy uh, would be to I want to like go, you know, like for example, like Oakland is a place that interests me. Or what's another good example is Austin. I think Austin has like a great queer community, uh, and I'd love to go out there and maybe throw you know a Babetown or two and hire like one or two like representatives of Babetown out in that area who I can like train. And in my fantasy of it, there's, like, a regular newsletter, you know, that we also, like, keep in touch that's just, like, regular, like, tips on throwing this party. Um, And, yeah, just, like, teaching and empowering and um, people in all these different places using the Babetown platform, you know, I've already built. Uh, Maybe a website. I have, like, a fantasy that involves a website where people can go and they can just, like, kind of, like, really easily pick out items for, like, a menu and it'll send, like, really easy recipes and maybe even, like, all the ingredients that they'll need. You know, and it's just, like, sort of all made really easy. Because I also think people have really busy lives, and it's hard to take time to, you know, throw these really involved events. So I'd love to find a way to just, like, make it really simple and easy and, like, streamlined. Uh, I I need a website builder or someone like that. Um, Okay. Amazing. You are (laughs) manifesting this right here on the podcast. (laughs) I'm speaking it into reality. Yeah, which Bobby It's on my vision board. Yeah, amazing. Me and Bobby were just talking about um, speaking things into reality and truth, so Mm -hmm. I'm all all for that. The the woman I've just started um, seeing, she was saying the other day that words are spells. Um, Mm. And, you know, Mm. yeah, the things you say out loud, like, really, like, uh, you manifest into reality. So, yeah, I'm trying to do that also. Words are spells. Mm, I love that. Uh-huh. Um, and also, I love crevices of my sexuality. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really like that I one. I really <laughs> like it. I love the crevice. Crevice is such a descriptive word. Um, I don't know why. I'm just like obsessed with it. <laughs> I also took a note that you of labor of love, and then you said it before I even got a chance to. Oh, thank you. So, yeah. so yeah, I love that so, so much. Um, um Another thing that I want to talk about is I saw something you had said about um, making sure that the space is specifically like queer women, non-binary, and trans people, mm-hmm. um, which all you cis gay men out there are like, hey, what about me? <laughs> um, and I – well, so thank you for coming out um, is open to anyone in the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have had – but in the in, – in work that I do with Keshet, which is a nonprofit that works with Jewish organizations on LGBTQ inclusion, I have so many conversations about, um, like, affinity groups and or making space for a certain group of people and just, like, navigating what it looks like and what it feels like to create a space for a specific set of people and what about the other people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And um, I really I appreciate the intention, like the intention. intentionality. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I actually I haven't had that much of pu- like pushback from like cis gay men. You mm-hmm. know, cis cis gay men like Babetown is such a like it's kind of inspired when you think about it by like house parties that cis gay men have all the time. You know, I mean, it's very it's a very gay party. 
Um, and so I feel like cis gay men really kind of get it. They're just like, oh, yeah, we have parties like that all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have dinner parties that are awesome. Sounds great. Um, I've definitely had straight men. <coughs> I'm also a big thing with Babetown is if we work with an outside venue, like an outside bar, or if a media person is sending a photographer or anything, it always has to be someone who self-identifies as, you know, a woman, non-binary, trans. Um, uh, you know, we can't have cis, I don't give money to cis gay men to bartend, you know, at an event of mine, you know, I make sure they hire someone, um, who's trans woman or non-binary. Um, and that's, that sometimes I've had people, you know, get very, you know, defensive about, you know, yeah. I've, I've had a lot of, uh, it's more like straight white men most of the time, honestly, yeah. who are like, you know, what is, what's a cis man, mm-hmm. you know, what's that mean? <laughs> And I'm like, all right, let's talk about it. Or, yeah, yeah that it, people, it's either what's a cis man or what is non-binary. I feel like I have so many conversations with people about what is non-binary. I actually kind of want someone who is non-binary to, like, write me a little card. Yeah. And I'm just going to be like, um, you know what, I'm just going to give this to you. <laughs> <laughs> you can read this for yourself and let's continue the tour of your facilities, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. I struggle with that a lot about... Like, when's the appropriate time to educate somebody? And, mm-hmm. like, when are people just asking questions to, like, be obnoxious? Yeah. And I, I, I play dumb when that's happening. <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's an- let me answer this question. I, yeah, especially, yeah, when, you know, f- a lot of the time I won't work with, you know, if it's, like, when we were looking to throw a wedding. I threw a mass uh, wedding, and I got cool. two couples uh, married legally. Um, and we were looking at a place to throw that, you know, a lot of the times if somebody, if the person giving the tour was like, what is cis, what's non-binary, I was kind of like, well, this isn't a fit. Um, Mm. but I am always like happy to have that conversation with people. You know, I have a lot of privilege and I feel like privilege, privilege equals patience. You know, that should mean that you are ready to, um, very patiently and gently have like lots of conversations with people who I think like just don't have the information and really shouldn't it be me rather than someone who's going to be really triggered by, you know, this interaction, you know, yeah. maybe if I'm like really patient and really patiently answer this guy's questions, maybe the next time, maybe the time an event promoter comes in here who is trans or non-binary, you know, he'll be a little bit more knowledgeable on the subject and he won't be rude to that person. So that's how I try to think about it. Wow. I've not heard that that privilege equals patience. I, like, I'm like, <laughs> I just made that up just right well, now. It's awesome. <laughs> and I, I think there's so much power in, in, in like reframing the ways. You know, a lot of times people are like, how do I be an ally to the trans community? And how do I? I'm like, educate yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think coming at it with this idea of you have to take on this burden of being patient and educating the people who are asking these questions because mm-hmm. – I, as a non-binary gender queer person, sometimes I run out of patience so much more quickly mm-hmm. because I'm. it feels as though I'm, like, defending my core self and yeah. my, who I am as a human, and mm-hmm. that is exhausting. And so loving when allies step in and use their their privilege and their... You know, an interaction I feel like I, I used to see a lot. I haven't seen it lately, but something I feel like I used to see in a lot of, like, you know, the early days of... Um, us really talking about gender in lesbian spaces is I would see someone uh, kind of like, you know, be gendered as she or her and someone would come out as non-binary and be like, I'm they. And then the other person gets like really just sort of like defensive off the bat. And they're sort of mad at this person for existing, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it's like they, they feel like they got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even though they just, I think, 
don't have never been presented with this idea before. Yeah. And I think that's really the most important thing is just presenting people with an idea so they don't have that abrasive, uh, you know, kind of defensive reaction sometimes. And then you have this person who's just, you know, getting, you're, they're just being treated mean because they're for existing. Yeah. Um, and so that's something I try to really think about a lot when it, when it comes down to having another conversation with Chad about, you know the same yeah. stuff <laughs> totally and it's so his name is chad his name is chad. absolutely chad we're like bobby i don't know yeah but trevor no, Bo- this oh is yeah bobby. i'm sorry sorry bobby <laughs> probably, the name was like floating in your head probably. i know the name was floating in my head i'm sorry <laughs> um, oh my god really i was funny. like um i was standing I, I, I have a burger stand also and I was, like, standing, and I, I was talking to someone, and I made a comment, like, Dave, like, what a basic bitch white man name. And this guy comes over, a white guy, right away, and he's like, hey, I'm Dave. My name is Dave. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I didn't name you that. That's not my fault, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, but it's definitely Chad, for sure. No, it's Chad. Um, or Trevor. Or, like, um, like Biff. <laughs> that's a more obscure one yeah i might try harder to be biff's friend i don't know <laughs> or like tangent i don't know, okay. <laughs> I don't know really. um uh yeah and that's why i think like representation and visibility is so important so people can start to see and learn about not only non-binary um identities but any kind of narrative that exists outside like cis straight monogamous path mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. inundates us everywhere yeah and i think the more that we talk about it and the more that we see ourselves in media and our communities we'll have less of those abrasive conversations in those moments because it's not going to be new anymore it's going to be part of the fabric of what makes up where we you know like our our lives yeah um are there any good poly movies out there we should watch? <laughs> <laughs> poly movies. I don't know. That's not even how you say it, but it's fine. I, I, I appreciate that that's the thing about me that you're, like, fascinating. <laughs> I know. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know what? There's actually there's a show on Showtime, and I think you can still watch it if you, like, go and you log into one of the Showtime things. And it's a – I think it's just called, like, Polyamory or something. Mm. And it's sort of a docu-series, and it's about – um, two couples. I, I really prefer the first season. The second season, there's one couple that I wouldn't describe as like a, a healthy, healthy polyamorous love. But um, the first season for sure is about, you know, two different couples. Uh, one is um, there's like two married couples that are in a relationship, like a, an open relationship, the four of them together. And then there was a, a throuple that's two women and a man. Um, and you really do kind of, I think it's just like really interesting how you see uh, how their different dynamics play out. Like, how they communicate different situations um, and, yeah, and how, how some of those conversations unfold, I think, is very real. Um, and, yeah, I, I always watch them like, wow, these people are so good at communicating. Mm. They are such strong communicators. And it's really a reminder how, yeah, different like poly love can really make you like really wor- work, work out your communication muscle, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to f- uh, go back real quick to another thing I read in an article <laughs> about learning to weave challah. Yes. Um, at lightning speed. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, at one point, in one of our many moves as a child, um, at one point we were part of a very religious Jewish community. Um, and the women at the synagogue is, uh, were just exceptional cooks. 
Um, and their food definitely super influenced me as a kid. Um, and they would sell challah to raise money for the synagogue. Um, and I was, yeah, they, they weaved challah at lightning speed. And I, um, they, I, I was like very slow, but eventually they taught me how to be a little faster. I'm still, I think, very slow. I think I'm a very, I'm very intentional in my hands. That was always a big struggle for me in restaurants is, you know, you're really supposed to move at lightning speed. And sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I'll do that when I'm cutting things or if I'm really in a rush, but I prefer, that's not what I prefer. I prefer to really enjoy what's in my hands and working with my hands and um, move a little more intentionally. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, question. <laughs> this is like an interview, so I don't have to preface it with question. But um, <laughs> um, so you're Jewish. I am. I'm Jewish. Um, so, so am I. Oh yeah! Shalom. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> yeah, right. Really? Weinblatt. Well, yeah. yeah, with that last name. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, there I had a conversation with my mom once. When I, I was like, I wish we had a more Jewish sounding last name, which is like, <laughs> so ridiculous. What a weird thing for a child to say. What a my weird goodness. Thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really weird. Um, but here we are. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm wondering if, if especially growing up in like a, you said like for a little bit, you're in like a very religious space. Did mm-hmm. that? Did that? Did being in a religious space ever impact the way that you felt about your sexuality or how you move through the world? In some ways, I think the really orthodox space is how I really, it was like the final like cherry on the Alex, you're a big queer cake mm-hmm. um, because uh, those spaces are very gendered. The yeah. women are really separated from the men mm-hmm. um, and you kind of are spending a lot of time uh, just with other people who kind of, you know, look like you. Um, and I remember really like being surrounded by so many of these you know women um and so in some ways it's like kind of very queer you know there's a lot of like uh the wedding at the weddings you know you're kind of just dancing with the other women and the men are dancing with each other because you're separated totally um and I was just like yeah fuck yeah like Mm -hmm. I just want to I just want to do this for (laughs) sure (laughs) um (laughs) I think, you know, for my parents, uh, they were, you know, really peak religious at the point when I came out. Um, and I think uh, how that the, that community was going to feel about things um, was very important to them, I think, really hard on them. And um, I think, you know, they, they knew this couple that their son had come out and they the, the, he'd been sent to this, like, therapy that was supposed to... Um, make you not gay anymore yeah and they recommended that doctor to me and they sent me to that doctor at one point um which you know it's just like insane the things they tell you to convince you that you're not gay but i i don't know i think that my parents were just like very influenced by how religious that community around them was and i think they eventually kind of were like you know what actually i don't think we care about this you know Mm -hmm. i think we have much bigger problems and we don't care you know my mom definitely extremely like uh, I remember there was one time where I had said, we we were getting into the car and I saw a bunch of nuns getting into a car nearby. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. What an unnatural uh, way to live your life, you know, never being hugged or kissed or loved. Yeah. Uh, I didn't understand that even as a, you know, a young person. My dad goes like, well, do you think you're natural? You know, Ooh. you're pretty unnatural. Uh, like in the lifestyle you live and like what the way you want to live. Um, and I didn't say anything and no one said anything. And we got home and I was like, I got into bed and like late that night, my mom came into my room and she goes, um, uh, you know, I know what it's like when someone's hurting you and nobody says anything. 
Um, and today someone was hurting you, and I'm really sorry I didn't say anything. I really regret that. And after that, she was totally fine with the, like, moving, from there on, moving forward, she really kind of turned a new leaf on the gay thing. I think the rabbi's wife wanted her to send me to, like, a really serious program for, like, really bad little gay girls, which, in retrospect, I wish she'd sent me. Um, but <laughs> that would have been my kind of a party, if you know what I mean. I do. Um, but my mom was like, you know, I remember my mom saying to the, the rabbi's wife, you know, if we send her to this, we're going to lose her. Like, if we keep trying to push her to be something she isn't, we're going to lose her. And I think my parents just very naturally came around to that um, on their own. And, you know, religion kind of takes the back seat to those uh, pa- parental feelings, I think. Oh my God. I'm crying. um that was like that's such a that is hold on did did you come from a very religious jewish no not really very more so like you know like hebrew school sunday school Mm -hmm. you know but not not we all went to hebrew school yeah how else are you gonna get bat mitzvah totally another another very gendered another very gendered term well, did not want that. We were not the kind of people that had like big extravagant. Yeah, we were we were religious, and so like having like somebody like a magician or something isn't very modest and humble. So mm. we had like a chill lunch mm. like with my whole family and a lot of my friends. The theme of my my party we did have that was um, boardwalk. And so there was like popcorn machine and cotton candy, and I was like, "Oh, oh you were one of those kids." I was one of those kids. We had T-shirts. Where are you from? Uh, Columbus, Ohio. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> in Atlantic. You could have been like Trumbull. Yeah, sh- right. Side eye. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I just um. What a what a powerful moment to have your mom come in and say that to you, mm-hmm. and what I just I can't. I'm I'm processing it. I just uh-huh. think it's such a moment and so important and um I'm grateful that she said that to you. Yeah. And yeah, me too. Yeah, and um I wish that more more parents who are observant in whatever religion it is can mm-hmm. could know and learn from that and hear this because you will lose your child. Yeah, you know, if you don't come around to them, and it could be because they leave home or because they take their own life, um, mm-hmm. and it's just. Um, I mean, I think you know what I think that lesson rings true in so many ways. You really have to accept each other. You know, yeah. there's only so much control you have over another person's, uh, ex- you know, another person's actions. I think I, I think that is a big theme with me these days it's just like not wanting to control others or be controlled by people you know at a certain point you just you know you can like try to encourage people to um, make decisions that you think are healthy for them and for the people around them Um, but you know I think to another point you kind of have to accept like you know that person your friend is dating who you don't like yeah you know yep uh, whenever that happens, I'm like, at least I'm not dating them. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'm not dating them. You are. Yeah. You know, people ask, like, someone once said to me the other day, like, should I tell my friend that I don't like her girlfriend? And I'm like, no. Why? Why rain on their parade? Yeah. You know, why rain on, life, life is, life is long, but it's also short. It's but a minute. What do we have? We have, if we're lucky, a hundred years, you yeah. know, and I want to make every single second of those hundred years just like wonderful and beautiful and positive not negative yeah. 
Yeah, I feel that. Bumming out someone else's joyride. Yeah, what a, that's such a, yeah, I agree. Um, which is why I love YOLO so much. Yeah. I have it tattooed on my arm because <laughs> really, I'm Really, so, you do? You I really do. tattooed on your arm? I really that's do. Really funny. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, I feel like, right, we only get this one shot at mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and let's be nice to each other mm-hmm. and support each other and mm-hmm. because that's all we have. It's so true. It's It's really true. We are all we have. I also feel like I've come to really appreciate how much, like, we as queers have each other. Yeah. You know, and I, I think there's a lot of really um, heavy, deep-rooted stuff that can sometimes separate us as a community. And I, I want to, like, put in the work to working through that. But I, And then I also think the problem is we get bogged down by a lot of the, the petty stuff. Yeah. The, like, oh, you know, that person looked at me in this way at a bar weird one time, and now, like, are we frenemies? You know, I, there's so much petty stuff that ultimately separate us sometimes. Um, and... Um, that's the kind of stuff I know I personally, like, I want to completely, le- like, I want to have, like, eradicated from my soul. Like, I, I think about, you know, a petty argument I had with another queer woman over, um, you know, like, a food-related, like, a business thing. We work together. And I have so much regrets that we had that argument because I think about how much bigger of an enemy there much bigger enemies there are out there. You know, she's the last person who's my enemy. I have mm-hmm. real enemies in this world, and it's not this person. Because yeah. we disagreed on this work thing. Totally. It's a nice perspective <laughs> to have um, and that we should all live by. All right. I'm going to move us into the last segment of the podcast, which mm. is rapid fire questions. Sweet. So I'm just going to ask you questions quickly and just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Um, it's pretty simple. There's no wrong answers except one. You'll know when it happens. <laughs> um all right, are you ready? Yeah, I'm so ready. Okay. I don't know, am I? Yeah, okay. I think I think you're, I think you're I am. Be great. I you're, think I am. Yeah. All right. Pencil or pen? Pen. Acting or singing? Acting. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountains? Beach. Meat or veggies? Meat. Bagels or donuts? Bagels. Nice. That's the one. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Train or plane? Train. Sweet or salty? Salty. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Night or day? day favorite kitchen item whisk great amazing um did i nail it you nailed it yeah yeah um thank you so much for being here cool um can you let us know what your social media is and how can we get in touch with you and how do we follow babe town uh yeah please yeah if you're please follow babe town um that's where i announce my parties and i share pictures of the really fun parties that we have, um, and that's Babetown NYC on Instagram. Um, and then there's my personal account. I, I was like really surprised when people started following my personal account. That's Babe Not Baby, and um, that's yeah, that's like I'm almost up to two thousand followers now, which blows my mind. Cool. I think I literally just like share uh, lots of pictures of my super queer life. I feel like I just like love to. I love to shout out like other queer parties and other queer events. So I try to take like lots of pictures whenever I'm at a queer party or event. I'm like you know, and recommend them and point people where to go. I think especially us in our 30s, there's, like, so many parties I go to and there's a lot of people in their 20s. Yeah. So when I find a party that's, like, got lots of people, you know, my age, like, you know, 30-plus, um, I will, like, literally always go. I will take – I will switch shifts to go to that party. Come to thank you for coming out. Oh, yeah. I'll come to thank <laughs> you for coming out. Yeah, totally. It's going, it's going on the calendar. Sweet. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for coming out. Hey, 
it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You for Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.